Welcome to Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Cole Kushner. Today, we continue our serialized examination of To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. We're currently in the midst of the album's third act, which we've titled Emerging Wings. It follows Kendrick as he searches for an escape from various metaphoric cocoons of his institutionalized upbringing, his newfound status as rap star, and the prison of his own mind. On All Right, through solidarity and God, Kendrick went to battle on the vices and inner conflicts that led him to depression and suicidal thoughts. On For Sale, we're privy to Kendrick's subconscious and the temptations of Lucy, the devil incarnate. On our last episode, we examined Mama, a song in which Kendrick returns home in search of clarity. He's nostalgic and reflective in Compton and gains a broader worldview in Africa. At the end of verse 3, we saw Kendrick yet again at another crossroads. He's to quote, pick destiny or rest in peace. It laid out the fundamental question the album poses. How will Kendrick use or pimp his success, his talent, for good or for evil? Should he run from destiny, give in to Lucy's temptations, and live a life filled with riches, drugs, and sex? Or does he choose destiny, pimp his situation for the betterment of mankind, and become an advocate for the Comptons of the world? It's a question Kendrick is not yet ready to answer, as it sends him into an abstract existential crisis reflected in the chaotic outro of Mama. That outro leads directly into the album's next track, and the subject of today's episode, Hood Politics. I've been eight once since day one, you niggas boo-boo. Your own boy, you black that you're from, boo-boo. Little hoes you went to school with, boo-boo. Baby mama and your new bitch, boo-boo. We was in the hood, 14 with the deuce-deuce. 14 years later, going hard like we used to on the dead homies. On the dead homies. Hood Politics begins with a minimal laid-back drum and bass groove over which we hear a voicemail on Kendrick's phone, presumably left by a friend from Compton. Kendrick's friend addresses him as K-Dot, Kendrick's nickname and former moniker when coming up in Compton. We can assume that whomever left the voicemail has known Kendrick for many years. He then calls Kendrick out for never answering his phone, presumably because he's now famous and always on the road. He also questions how Kendrick has changed from the K-Dot he once knew, wearing no socks and skinny jeans, high fashion attire far from the clothes Kendrick wore in his days in Compton. While his friend seems to only be lightheartedly giving Kendrick a hard time, the voicemail seems to trigger a reaction in Kendrick. Through his confessions on the song You, we already know Kendrick suffers from survival's guilt about his escape from the hood, and the voicemail leaves him insecure about his new status as hip-hop star. He doesn't want to be thought of as Hollywood or a sellout, and hood politics will be Kendrick's way of proving himself to himself. After the voicemail introduction, we hear a series of faint chords that establishes the song's harmonic center. These chords are sampled from the introduction of Sufjan Stevens' 2010 track, All For Myself. For comparison's sake, 
We'll listen first to an excerpt of the Stevens track, and then immediately listen to the introduction of Hood Politics. Now the introduction of hood politics. After this brief introduction, the song erupts with a slumping beat and hair-raising bass. Kendrick recites the song's hook using a high-pitched vocal inflection. Kendrick is again playing a character, a younger version of himself, and manipulates his voice to personify this character. I've been a one since day one, you niggas boo-boo. Your own boy, you black, that you from? Boo-boo. Little hoes you went to school with? Boo-boo. Baby mama ain't your new bitch? Boo-boo. We was in the hood, 14 with the deuce-deuce. 14 years later, going hard like we used to on the dead homies. On the dead homies. Right away, we can see why Kendrick uses an adolescent voice. The showboating nature of the song's hook is by Kendrick's standards, immature. It seems the voicemail has left Kendrick defensive, and he's taking us back to the mentality of his early days in Compton. He's proving to himself how he's earned his success, and how he stayed true to his roots. The hook begins, I've been A1 since day one, and contrasts this with everything else being boo-boo. A1 is slang for top-notch, and boo-boo is slang for shit. Kendrick continues this contrasting comparison throughout the hook. He calls your homeboys, your block, your school hoes, baby mama, and new bitch all boo-boo. From what I can tell, the shots are aimed at no one in particular. It's the kind of boasting by way of insults common to young rappers. Again, Kendrick is bringing us back to his adolescent mentality while growing up in Compton. This sentiment is continued with the lines, we was in the hood, 14 with the deuce-deuce. Kendrick is referring to himself at age 14, running in the streets with a 22 caliber gun. He then contrasts this with the line, 14 years later, we going hard like we used to. Again, Kendrick is convincing himself that he's remained true to his roots, that his success 14 years later has not altered his A1 foundation. He follows these lines with, on the dead homies, repeated two times. The first time links to the previous line, going hard like we used to. Kendrick is implying that he's going hard in respect or retaliation for his deceased friends, presumably killed by hood politics or gang rivalry. The second iteration of On the Dead Homies is similar to the phrase, I swear on my mother's grave. Kendrick is swearing that his words and sentiments on the hook are true. The song's first verse finds Kendrick using the same adolescent high-pitched vocal timbre. The verse begins, I don't give a fuck about no politics and rap. My little homie stun a deuce ain't never coming back. Stunaduce was the nickname of Kendrick's homie Chad Keaton, who we discussed on our examination of the song You. Chad Keaton, he was like my little brother. We grew up in the same community. I was actually best friends with his older brother, which is incarcerated right now. And him just always telling me to make sure that, you know, Chad is on the right path. 
you know, and he was on the right path. But, you know, things happen where, you know, sometimes the good are in the wrong places, and that's exactly what happened. What happened to him? He got shot. The verse continues, so you better go hard every time you jump on wax. Fuck what they talking about, your shit is where it's at. This is an extension of the sentiments of the concluding lines of the song's hook, in which Kendrick states, 14 years later, going hard like we used to on the dead homies. Chad Keaton is certainly one of the dead homies that inspires Kendrick to keep it real on record, and ignore the politics and his perception within the rap industry. The next few lines outlines Kendrick's rise from the hood into rap stardom. You came in this game, you stuck your fangs in this game, you wore no chains in this game, your hood your name in this game. Kendrick here is proving his authenticity. Stating he wore no chains accentuates his choice to not wear a rhyme about expensive jewelry. He made his fame by talking about real-life experiences, staying true to his roots, and offering insights to the struggles of his community. The verse continues with Kendrick developing his authenticity theme. Kendrick states 50 N-word salute out the Compton Zoo with the extras and then continues to list a series of racial groups and Southern California gangs that support him. The phrase 50 N-word salute is a reference to, you guessed it, Tupac Shakur. Above his infamous Thug Life tattoo across his abdomen, Tupac had a small tattoo of an AK-47 embedded with the phrase 50 N-word salute. The meaning behind the tattoo was one of unity. If the black community, and perhaps specifically the young African Americans involved in gang violence and black-on-black crime, could unite across the 50 states of America, it could create an army and influence to be reckoned with. The division that gangs create within the black community ultimately weakens them. While Tupac was certainly caught up in both hood and hip-hop politics, which would ultimately prove to be his demise, he also spoke often of unity and promoted black pride through unity. Tupac's struggle between participating in black-on-black crime while also advocating for its end certainly calls to mind the beginning of To Pimp a Butterfly's narrative poem, I Remember You as Conflicted. But I digress. After a repetition of the song's hook, verse 2 begins. Kendrick begins the verse by painting a picture of typical hood politics in the streets of Compton. He gets a call from a friend who informs him that a rival gang is coming to beef, and Kendrick seems more than willing to fight. Kendrick's portrait of street life gets a little more abstract as the verse continues. He states, everything is everything, it's scandalous, slow motion for the ambulance, the project filled with cameras, the LAPD gambling, scrambling, football numbers slandering. Slow motion for the ambulance refers to the low priority of medical attention in the ghettos of Compton, while LAPD gambling, scrambling, implies that LA cops practice shady judgment when using force, which often leads them to scrambling for a cover-up. 
The concluding lines of verse 2 are among the most quotable lines on the album. Kendrick draws parallels between the hood politics of Compton and the political institutions of the United States. He says, there's a new gang in town, from Compton to Congress, set tripping all around. Ain't nothing new but a flu of democrips and rebletigans. Red state versus a blue state, which one you govern in? Of course, the Republican red states versus Democratic blue states parallels the colors of rival gangs, bloods, and crips. Kendrick cleverly combines these two ideas by stating democrips and rebletigans. The short-sighted, often paralyzing political rivalry of red and blue parties contributes to the degradation of the people they claim to serve. Likewise, the rivalries between urban gangs, often of the same race, contributes to the degradation of their neighborhoods. Kendrick continues to call out the hypocrisy of the government, who largely disavows gangs, yet in part contributed to their prominence. He states, They give us guns and drugs, call us thugs, make it their promise to fuck with you. No condom, they fuck with you. As we discussed thoroughly in our very first episode of Dissect, the CIA was involved in supplying LA neighborhoods with guns and cocaine in the 1980s during the war on drugs. The line, make it they promise to fuck with you, alludes to the empty claims of change politicians promised during the election cycle. And the line, no condom they fuck with you, implies that their promises are dirty and their behavior is reckless, self-serving, and short-sighted. Verse 2 concludes with the line, Obama say what it do, which triggers a brief stuttering halftime interlude. What it do is Bay Area slang for what's up. By metaphorically quoting Obama saying this, and having just heard the previous line, make it they promise to fuck with you, no condom they fuck with you, it seems Kendrick is not exempting Obama the first black president, from being part of the political gang, the Demo Crips. Having campaigned on the promise of change, which many feel he's failed to deliver, Obama too is a part of the political machine of false promises. Like Hillary's hot sauce or Trump's red hat, Obama's use of slang is merely a ruse to connect with a targeted demographic to get their vote. Of course, the flip side to this interpretation could be that Obama does genuinely speak their language and had the black community's best interests in mind but the divided and discordant political landscape made change extremely difficult, if not impossible. Here, Obama comes a King Kunta-like figure himself, a dichotomy of power and constraint, emancipated yet disenfranchised, both master and slave. After a repetition of the song's hook, verse 3 begins. While verse 1 spoke on hood politics, and verse 2 spoke on governmental politics, Verse 3 speaks on hip-hop politics. Everybody want to talk about who this and who that, who the realest and who whack, or who white and who black. Critics want to mention that they missed when hip-hop was rapping. Motherfucker, if you did, the killer might could be platinum. Y'all priorities fucked up, but energy and wrong shit. Hennessy and Crown Vic, my memory been gone since. No accent by no camera blocking at award shows. Kendrick begins the verse outlining the hypocrisy of hip-hop critics who gossip about who's real and who's whack, 
but failed to support real lyrical MCs like Killer Mike. Killer Mike is a rapper and activist from Atlanta, Georgia, who first entered the game through a feature on Outkast's Stankonia album in the year 2000. Since then, Killer Mike has become a highly respected MC within the hip-hop community, a rapper's rapper, but he's never quite broken through to the mainstream. Without getting too sidetracked, let's take a listen to an excerpt of the Killer Mike verse from the track Reagan. After just interpreting the line, Obama say what it do, and the gang mentality of politicians, I think you'll find this excerpt especially relevant to hood politics. And they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches. And they would take our drugs and monies as they pick our pockets. I guess that that's the privilege of policing for some profit. But thanks to Reaganomics, prison turned to profits. Cause free labor's the cornerstone of U.S. economics. Cause slavery was abolished unless you are in prison. You think I am bullshitting, then read the 13th Amendment. Involuntary servitude and slavery, it prohibits. That's why they giving drug offenders time in double digits. Reagan was an actor, not at all a factor, just an employee of the country's real masters. Just like the Bushes, Clinton and Obama, just another talking head telling lies on teleprompters. If you don't believe the theory, then argue with this logic. Why did Reagan and Obama both go after Gaddafi? We invading sovereign soil, going after oil. Taking countries is a hobby paid for by the oil lobby. Same as in Iraq. Afghanistan, and I'm a dinner jar. Say they coming for Iran. They only love the rich and how they love the poor. If I say any more, they might be at my door. It's likely Kendrick chose to shout out Killer Mike specifically on hood politics because of commentary on social and political issues. And as my friend Garrett pointed out, Killer Mike uses the phrase "boo boo" in several of his songs. That shit, that's right. Number two, boo boo, straight cock I smoke ganja with a dreadlock rasta. Move like Frank, you would die like a hot sock. You rappers do baby shit, just basic boo boo. I'm talking fool, massive moose on my money, boo cool. Is Killer Mike's use of boo boo coincidence? Maybe, but probably not. Kendrick has shown to consistently suffuse his lyrics with highly detailed, nuanced associations like these throughout his career. Killer Mike took Kendrick's shout out to heart. An honor he spoke on in an interview with MTV. Um, I felt like when a professional ball player compliments another professional ball player, that is a compliment. No one can understand how truly dope that is unless you're a ball player. You know, unless you stepped on the court and laced up your shoes and had to play against Jordan, you don't understand what a compliment it is when Jordan says, yeah, I like that guy. You know, he's, he's one of those ones. So for me, it was an honor. I'm a big fan of Kendrick. I didn't know he listened to me. Um, I suspect it maybe he did. I'm glad it was confirmed in such a huge and complimentary way. I just want to thank him, you know. Um, I love if you're not already a fan of Killer Mike, I hope this sidebar inspires you to check him out. Turning our attention again to hood politics, Kendrick continues verse 3 developing his critique of hip-hop politics. The second half of this concluding verse refers specifically to Kendrick's industry-shattering feature on the song Control by Big Sean. It was the verse heard round the world. Now simply known as the Control verse, Kendrick caused an uproar in the hip-hop community by crowning himself the king in New York, calling out 11 emerging rappers by name, 
and challenging them for the number one spot in hip hop. New niggas, just new niggas, don't get involved. And I ain't rocking no more designer shit. White tees and Nike Cortez, this red Corvette's anonymous. I'm usually homeboys with the same niggas I'm rhyming with. But this is hip hop, and them niggas should know what time it is. And that goes for Jermaine Cole, Big Crit Wale, Pusha T, Meek Mills, ASAP Rocky, Drake, Big Sean, J Electron, Tyler McMiller. I got love for you all, but I'm trying to murder you niggas. Trying to make sure your core fans never heard of you niggas. They don't want to hear not one more now, no verb from you niggas. What is competition? I'm trying to raise the bar high. Who's trying to jump and get it? You're a better horse trying to skydive at the exit window of 5G. The verse set a fire the hip hop community. Bloggers, radio DJs, and barbershops across the nation gossiped endlessly about the verse's impact. It also garnered more than 20 response tracks from MCs. It brought an excitement, competition, and critical analysis of lyricism that had long been absent in the hip-hop community. And though he found critical acclaim with Good Kid Mad City, the control verse quickly catapulted Kendrick up hip-hop's totem pole and solidified his place among the best contemporary MCs. Now having some context, let's listen one more time to the second half of the concluding verse of Hood Politics. Detailing the world's response to his control verse, Kendrick states, Unless you're talking about power, I got a lot of it. I'm the only N-word next to Snoop that could push the button. Had the coast on standby. These lines are in direct reference to the controversial line on the King of New York wrapped on control. The phrase push the button means to ignite war, as in the person in command of a nuclear missile. Kendrick is claiming that him and Snoop are the only two on the West Coast with enough power and influence to reignite a 1990s-like West Coast versus East Coast rivalry. Of course, the most infamous of rivals were East Coast rapper Notorious B.I.G. and the West Coast rapper Tupac Shakur. The beef extended beyond the booth, and both rappers ended up dead under mysterious circumstances. Kendrick continues the verse alluding to this very feud with the lines, Nah homie, we too sensitive, and spill out to the streets. I make the call and get the coast involved, then history repeats. Kendrick is predicting that if he were really to push the button and reignite the West Coast-East Coast feud, some involved might be too sensitive to keep it friendly music competition and take to violent action on the streets. Hence the lines spill out to the streets and history repeats. To avoid this scenario, Kendrick states the closing lines of the verse, but I resolved inside that private hall by sitting down with Jay. He said, it's funny how one verse can fuck up the game. It seems Kendrick spoke to East Coast powerhouse Jay-Z to broker some kind of backroom peace treaty between coasts. This line is based on a true story, as Kendrick did speak to Jay-Z after his control verse dropped. Jay, as well as Diddy and Nas, two other East Coast titans, all approve of Kendrick's verse, and believed it to be beneficial for a contemporary hip-hop era that's been lacking the classic rivalries of the past. Context of the line was the actual kings of New York, you know, the cats that I sat down with this past, you know, week. And really got an understanding 
that, you know, the, it's not about the coast. It's not about, you know, what side we on. It's about being great as Biggie, as Pop. You know, the two cats that I referenced, you know, from Jump. What did I know you saw Jay Z? Uh, what did Jay? I know, and I and I heard from Ebro that Jay was a fan of the verse. What did Jay tell you? I mean, that's, that's classified between me and him, you know. But it was all love, all respect, you know. Same way with Diddy, and the same way with a few other other cats, you know. I won't get up into all that, but at the end of the day, man, do that. We about here, black black men out here trying to, you know, uplift the culture, you know. There's one last clever gem in these concluding lines of hood politics. Kendrick states, he said it's funny how one verse can fuck up the game. The he here is Jay-Z, and his statement is obviously referring to the reaction caused by Kendrick's control verse igniting the rap game. But this hypothetical Jay-Z quote is an actual quote from Jay-Z's 1990 song Imaginary Players. Of course, Jay-Z was a part of a major rap feud when he and Nas battled on wax for nearly a decade beginning in the late 1990s. But rather than ending in tragedy like Biggie and Tupac, the Jay-Z and Nas beef never extended beyond the booth, and the two would eventually become friends and unite on the song Black Republicans. It makes sense then that Kendrick would seek the counsel of Jay-Z regarding the control frenzy, Jay having been there before and managing to navigate the rap politics without a tragic ending. Conclusions Hood Politics concludes with the reinstatement of the first line of the hook, which immediately collides with the recitation of the narrative poem with six additional lines revealed. I remember you was conflicted, misusing your influence. Sometimes I did the same, abusing my power full of resentment, resentment that turned into a deep depression. Found myself screaming in the hotel room. I didn't want to self-destruct. The evils of Lucy was all around me. So I went running for answers until I came home. But that didn't stop survivor's guilt. Going back and forth trying to convince myself the stripes I earned. Or maybe how A1 my foundation was. But while my loved ones was fighting a continuous war back in the city, I was entering a new one. While the narrative poem typically sets up the song that follows a poem, here it retroactively comments on the themes of hood politics. We know the line, Until I Came Home, applies to Kendrick's return to Compton on Mama. Kendrick then says, But that didn't stop survival's guilt, going back and forth trying to convince myself the stripes I earned, or maybe how A1 my foundation was. After receiving a voicemail from a Compton homie calling Kendrick out for never answering his phone, dressing differently, and implying that he's forgot about his friends, Kendrick again feels survival's guilt for leaving Compton. Remember, earlier on the album, Kendrick was sent into a fit of manic depression by a survival's guilt on the song You. Here on Hood Politics, he combats this feeling by attempting to convince himself of the stripes or street credits earned, and how A1 or authentic his foundation is. Hood Politics is a conversation Kendrick is having with himself reiterating his roots and attempting to prove that he's not caught up in the governmental politics of verse 2 or the politics of rap in verse 3. Rather, he's still deeply affected by the hood politics and violence in the streets of Compton. 
Remember, the song opened with referencing the death of his friend Chad Keaton, a.k.a. Stunaduce. And in contrast to the sadness and depression on you, Kendrick deals with the insecurities caused by survival's guilt with frustration and anger. So when I say these lines, it's for myself. This is therapeutic for myself because I still feel that urge and I still feel that anger and that hatred for this man next door because I got to get a call knowing that somebody around the corner done did this to my partner. I mm -hmm. still feel that. I still feel that hatred. I still feel that 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 ill will to want to, 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 to do something. Do you, do you have that in you? Do, so, you? do you feel like you, you have that in you? All the time. Wow. I've only been in this industry for three, four years. And I can't, <laughs> I can't forget 20 years of, of me being in, in the city of Compton. So when I say these things, it's therapeutic for me. It's making me remind I need to respect this man because he's a black man, not because of the color that he wearing. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. So, What you can't see here is Kendrick's face when speaking these words. It's thoughtful, earnest, and full of genuine conflict and pain. The contrast between the nostalgic, warm feelings of the previous song Mama and the anger and frustration on hood politics prove that Kendrick is still conflicted about his feelings for Compton. While Mama seemed like a step forward towards resolution, hood politics seems like a step back. Let's listen again to the two lines of the narrative poem that concluded Hood Politics. But while my loved ones was fighting a continuous war back in the city, I was entering a new one. What new city is Kendrick entering? We'll find out on the album's next track, How Much a Dollar Cost, which we'll thoroughly examine next time on Dissect. Dissect is written and produced by me. If you enjoy what you hear, consider rating Dissect on iTunes. There's no team behind this podcast. It's just me, and ratings help a lot. Remember, you can submit your suggestion for the subject of Season 2 of Dissect by visiting dissectpodcast.com. Follow us at Dissect Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and view exclusive episode notes at cityscoutmag.com. Theme music by Bureaucratic. For more, visit bureaucratic.bandcamp.com.